three, two, one, go. Hi. Hello. <laughs> that was unsatisfying, wasn't it? Much um, like this production. Yes. <laughs> And the success it has not brought us. Exactly. We thought we'd be famous and rich. Of course, right now, yeah, but... famous and rich. Where are we? Uh, my name's Sam. My name's John. And today, so, so we, we are going to be. So we've 50? done. So we're fifty. <laughs> so we're fifty. So we're fifty. I guess. Yeah. We aren't fifty. We're not fifty. This podcast. This production is on its fiftieth episode. Podcast. We've got to think about what this is going to be called. So, so we're on our fiftieth episode. So we're 50. So we're 50. So we're 50. Very misleading. It's not a happy birthday, really, but I didn't know what to do for this one. No. But we've made it to 50 episodes. We've done 50 of these. And I guess we're going to be talking about some things that are turning 50 this year. Yeah. Um, So the happy birthday sort of thing. The happy birthday is for the things we're going to talk about, not so much us. Yeah. So, yeah, we we, we didn't know what to do for this. We thought we'd do something, because 50 is... Oh, I think relatively impressive. I reckon so. <laughs> for yeah. Two people doing it in, in, our, in our spare time. Um, so and continuing to do it as well, you know. Yeah, well, that's um, really the big. This thing, episode isn't it? sponsored by our own time. This episode is sponsored by um, Prosecco and our time. Yeah. Uh, so I've done all the work for this one. <laughs> yeah, I've done nothing. Um, because I had a day off and you didn't, so. That's why that's happened, sadly. It took me way, way too long. Basically, we're going to be... I guess it's so we're talking about 50 things that are 50. So we're talking about 50 things that are 50. Much like the uh, 30 under 30. Yes. This is now, I suppose, 50 over 50. Yeah, so this is... This is More or less. Be, I've, I've basically compiled a list of 50 things that uh, are going to be 50, 50 this year. 50 things that are going to be 50, yeah. Um, I was originally going to do 50 things that have 50 things in them. Ooh, yeah. But that was going to take ages. Did that, did that turn... You know, what 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 thing has 50 things? Like, yeah, that's quite difficult. It's quite precise, and I didn't have the um, the mental capacity to do that. So I just spent no. three hours compiling a list instead. Um, and how and was that? Did that... It, it was hard, actually. Fulfill you? It didn't... It didn't fulfil me. It felt, <laughs> <laughs> it felt relatively satisfying completing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I made it a little bit harder for myself because I categorised... I, I did five categories. Yeah. Loosely, I guess. Well, of ten things. Yeah. And I could have probably just done two categories. Of 25 I things. Could have done, I could have done people and films... Yep. Or people and albums. You know what I mean? Things that where there are lots of them. Mm. Um, and I thought, no, I'm going to put a little bit more work into this. You really that. you really went for it. I also didn't just go for the first list of, of ten people, whatever that was available to me. I, I, I checked. I double-checked things. Yes. Yeah. You know, I did full research and then at the end I just went to Wikipedia. So it all fell down after that. But um, basically, I found many things and yep. people... That will be turning fifty this year. Fifty of them, in fact. We're going to talk about. And it. we're gonna. I'm going to read through the list. I'll probably read through it in tens. Yeah. Um, in my categories, and then you've picked two already. You've. Mm, d- yeah. So then I've, I had to go back and Wikipedia. I've picked the most interesting ones that I felt. And when I say Wikipedia, it is very basic. Um, <laughs> but we can have a little chat. 
And if anything else, if you if you hear any others, John, again, I know you've gone through it briefly, but yep. if you hear any others and you go, I want to talk about this, go on then. Feel free to stop me. Okay. Well, so shall we, shall we my begin? first ten of fifty is yeah. famous people. Because so, that is the easiest one to Much like for. this podcast, these people have turned 50 or will be turning 50 They're, this it year. It will be within this year. So it's not to, to date. It is they, This year they As will be 50. As of 2023. You can listen to this episode. Turned, um, one person has turned 50. You can listen to this episode in 2023. Any point and know that all of these people will be 50 by or the end of the year. Or would have been 50 if you listen to it afterwards. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so famous people. We've got Kristen Wiig. Of SNL uh, fame. Actress, comedian, and she will be 50 on the 22nd of August. So she was born in 1973. We are basically going back to 1973 for all these things. Come with us, if you will, to 1973. Um, it, it actually became easier to look up when were people born, what was invented, etc., etc., in 1973. Rather instead than of, what happened 50 years ago. No, instead of how what things are 50 in 2023. Yeah. Fair enough. So this is almost like a retrospective of 1973. What what cool things happened in 1973? Well, we're doing famous people first, John. Yeah. Don't get too. Kristen Wiig was the number one cool thing that happened Um, in 1973. Actress, comedian, Kristen Wiig. She will be 50, 22nd of August, 2023. Yeah. For Williams, who is a musician of NERD fame, of Happy. That's what I know. (laughs) Uh, He he famously penned the. the line, your ass is a spaceship that I'd like to ride. Yeah. Um, never he... mind all this happy jazz. He was busy objectifying women long before he was being happy. Objectifying but... them into spaceships as well. Yes, yeah. Very specific. Well, um, you know. We all love a we spaceship. All, we all want to ride a spaceship. Um, <laughs> Although maybe not one shaped like a butt. I would say they're not I very mean, aerodynamic. Docking but... might be easier. Oh. He will be 50 yeah. April 5th. And his ass <laughs> slash spaceship. Pharrell Williams' spaceship ass will be 50. Anyway. Um, Jack McBrayer. The politest a, man. The polite, I picked him because he was the politest man. There are lots of people. Uh, Peter Andre didn't make this list. I've just honourable mention Peter to Andre. Peter Andre and Heidi Klum, who yeah. we didn't put on this. Never um, mind these beautiful people. We're all about this funny looking polite man. Yeah. Jack McBrayer from Georgia who we've seen maybe I don't think I've ever seen, oh I've seen him in one thing apart from oh no he's in some he does some animated voices as well he does some animated voices so I've seen clips um, of him in things but I've only actually seen him in a few things he's he's a bit of a he usually plays like side characters doesn't yeah, he yeah but he's um he's an actor and comedian yeah. he'll be he's in a stage production of Waitress he was, was in London. stop giving my facts away sorry for later I'm going to go back through to the two oh, you picked okay. in a minute right. <laughs> sorry I'm interrupting and, and really ruining with the timings here aren't I yeah he will be 50 50 wow how do you know just a <laughs> on guess on the 27th of May and I just in brackets put yes ma'am um, so I could remember who he was because I can <laughs> never remember his name but I know he's the polite one he is the, the polite one um Tyra Banks, model, mm-hmm. TV personality. I think she'd probably add some other things onto there, but I'm not going to say she's an actress because I don't think that really. <laughs> think you don't want to encourage loose. that sort of behaviour. Uh, she will be 54th of December. Kate yeah. Beckinsale. Are you having fun? Yes. Yeah. Kate Beckinsale, another actress. This is something else, by the way. It was really hard to find people that were just academic people. You know, I was. I, I was. In, in, I was initially going to pick from a wider pool of celebrity 
Yeah. But it was too difficult, and I just thought, I'll just pick ones that I've heard of. <laughs> that I think other people might have heard of, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Kate Beckinsale, actress. 26th of July, she will be 50. Neil Patrick Harris of How I Met, How your, I Met your Mother, Not Big Bang. <laughs> that other guy, is it Jim Parsons? He was another guy who's turning 50 this year from the Big Bang thing. Mm. Uh, but I don't like the Big Bang Theory, so I didn't put him in. No. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris, 15th of June, he will be 50. James Marsden, who is in 27 Dresses, yep. etc. Actress. Actor. Actor. 18th of September. He will be 50, John. <laughs> he will, will be 50. <laughs> Jean Paul. Musician. 9th of Jan. He will be fi- He is 50. He is already 50. Big red well bell bells and light, flashy lights. Sean Paul is 50. How is Sean Paul 50? He just is. <laughs> well, he was born 50 years ago, I exactly. suppose. But... Uh, Noel Field- Fielding? Noel yep. Fielding. Who I always age down, but that's because he's a little man baby. But also, I think you age down people that you... did. You watched like Mighty Boosh and stuff, didn't you? I did. Probably I reckon you age down people that close you to 20, grew up watching in to some Close way. to 20 years ago. Yeah. Exactly, and you don't. Your brain doesn't want to come. No, no. Like, he was thirty when I was watching him on TV, and now he's a wreck, close yeah. to death. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a bit shocked to find out Kate Beckinsale was fifty, um, because I watched her in lots of things yeah. when I was younger. And uh, Noel Fielding, twenty-first of May, Akon. He's not locked up anymore. He's Akon. He's Akon. <laughs> Is that the quote? He will be fifty. Sixteenth of April. So there you go, there's your first yeah. ten, your top ten famous people that will be 50, excluding Peter Andre and Heidi Klum, and that other guy that I said, yeah. who's in Big Bang Theory. There are loads of other people. There were some football managers, I was like, mm. I don't know them. I don't know who these people so are. So I can't let's cast not, them as celebrities. Let's not worry too much about these people who we don't um, know who they are. I don't necessarily like the people that I've picked. Uh, I don't no. necessarily care about some of the people I've picked, but I have picked <laughs> them, they are on the list. Yep. You you then picked two of those people. I did, yes. And then gave away already some of the facts. Okay, <laughs> sorry, right. So you picked Kristen Wiig yep. and Jack McBrayer. I did. Uh, yeah. To talk about. Mm-hmm. And I will give you a very, br- very brief uh, sort of summary of things. Because I, I couldn't sit there for another two hours. No, that, there's a lot. Uh, so Kristen Wiig, as we said before, actress, comedian... She's going to be 50, 22nd of August. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the first facts. We've already said those. She was born in New York, in Canandaigua. 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 How do you spell it? Canandaigua. Canandaigua. Canan... Can you spell it from how I'm saying? Uh, Canandaigua. No, is the answer. C A. Hang on, hang on. Canan. C A N A N. Yeah. Or but it might be C A N A A N. The first one was right. Okay. Daigua. 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 D A G U A. D A I G U A. There's a rogue I in there. There's a random I. Canandaigua. Canandaigua. <laughs> I don't know how it's pronounced. New York. That's. Should I just see, say that for the rest of the episode? Canandaigua. I could say that fifty times, and then that's the episode done. I can tell you that it's a lake, uh, and that it provides. She's born in a lake. Well, no, Canandaigua is a lake, and it provides drinking water for seventy thousand residents. There you go. And she was born in it. That's the and... fourth largest of the Finger Lakes. <laughs> And she is an actress, a comedian, a screenwriter, and a producer. She's done a lot. Best known for Saturday Night Live, it said on mm. Wikipedia. I, d- I think maybe she might have 
surpassed that? Maybe not. I'd hope so. I mean, um, we've seen her in things that we felt were more, yeah, more I better. Yeah, I put Bridesmaids down. That was her big sort she's of good acting in, yeah, break. Yeah, she's good in, in Bridesmaids. She had something to do with the writing in that. I don't know if she wrote the whole thing. I'm not sure. And um, hmm. Or co-wrote or something. And she's in Welcome to Me, which I really enjoyed. That was the one where she... That was quite... That was like a little indie film. Yeah, so, in, I mean, in that one, she... If you haven't seen it, you should, first. Yeah, it's good. She plays um, a slightly oddball woman who wins the lottery. Yeah, and then wants a TV show about herself. Yeah, so she makes her... Like like Ooh, Ellen, but heartwarming me. and not Yeah, it's really... I really upsetting. enjoyed that film. Uh, Kristen Wiig co-wrote Bridesmaids co-wrote. with uh, Annie, Annie Mumolo. M- Mamulo? Should we say Canon Daguar and Mamulo? Again? Annie Mamulo. And she was in Wonder Woman 1984. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, my final fact. Go on. <laughs> She's got two children. <laughs> there you go. Good for. Do you know what they're called? Nope. Nope. Didn't get that far. Fine. Perfect. I'm going to call them Charlie and Sriracho. Charlie and Sriracho. Yeah. I was going to say <laughs> Kristen Wiig was also in. Uh... Should I look it up? I always get Kristen Wiig mixed up with um, Isla Fisher. Do I mean Isla Fisher? Mm. Who was the lead in uh, Arrival? No, that's Amy Adams. You're getting Amy Adams and Isla Fisher mixed up now. I am. So I, I get. So you don't get Kristen Wiig mixed up. You get Kristen Wiig's name mixed no, up no. with Isla Fisher. And no, then you get Isla Fisher mixed up with I Amy get Adams. Kristen Wiig mixed up with... <laughs> Amy Adams? With Amy Adams. Yeah, and I get Isla Fisher and Amy Adams mixed up. Um, Oh, oh my God. Okay. (laughs) No, it's not that. Oh, apparently she's got three kids now. Wow. Twins, a boy. Oh, no. No, she's got two. Sorry, I thought they were saying she's got twins and a girl. So they've got, she's got a boy called Shiloh and a girl called Luna. And it says here via surrogacy. I don't know why we need to know that, but we do now. We all know. Amy Adams. Amy Adams looks like Isla Fisher, but for some reason I get Kristen Weed mixed Uh, up with Amy Adams. If we were doing this next year, next year we could have put Amy Adams on that. If we list. don't record any for a whole year, we could do it again. We just cut this off right now. Give ourselves twelve months off from and the podcast. And put Amy Adams on the list. But I've just yeah. spent like two hours doing. Oh well, yeah, but I mean, you've already done I'd have it. Have to that do point, the whole you? thing again because they'd all be out of date. They'd be turning fifty-one. Right. Your next choice was Jack McBrayer. Yeah. <laughs> He is. Polite, from Georgia. An actor, a comedian. He will be 50 on the 27th of May. He is very polite. He always says, yes, ma'am. Yes, He's got sir. that southern charm. He's Yeah, he was born in Macon, Georgia. Nice. Starred in 30 Rock, which is a TV show. Yep. By Tina Fey. Um, was in the West End and Broadway performances of Waitress. Yep. As Ogie. Ogie. Um, and he was also the... Can't remember his name. The little hammer guy in Wreck It Ralph. He was. And I can't um, remember his name. Mister Fix It. Jim will fix it. Mister. Not Jim I'm not will sure. fix it. Um, yeah, he's just he's just he's been in lots of side parts. He's done lots of animated voices. Yeah. So has Kristen Wiig. Actually, I didn't put any of the animated things. She was in Des- Despicable Me Two. Yes, think. she was. She was the and three antagonist. Wasn't she the one that he falls in love with? Yeah, is she not a baddie. I haven't really. I don't. I, I don't know. I think she might be at some. Let's, some let's level. say yes. Um, and she also there. was in something else that's better. Oh, How to Train Your Dragon Two. Was she in that one? Yeah, I don't know who she plays in that. Huh. I think it's the second one. How to Train Your Dragon. Christian. I think the the facts might be a bit more interesting later later on because facts about celebrities are very basic, aren't they? Mm. Oh, she's Roughnut. 
Roughnut. Roughnut Thorsten. I see. She's the sis. Do you know the sister of the twins? Uh, oh yeah. Okay. All right. I think I think that's Roughnut. Although there's two people who voice it. There's her and there's Julie Marcus apparently. Different films. Yes. Anyway, they are fun facts about celebrities that will be fifty this year. Would you like round two, John? Absolutely. My next list. It's a desolate land. You can tell I. You, you can tell I struggled with the next. I thought it was going to be easy. I thought there'd be loads of inventions turning 50 this year. How wrong we were. Um, so I had to make it a bit bigger and call it inventions and transportation. But actually, I could have just stuck with inventions. I think what I was trying to say was things like, I've got a couple of cars on there. Yeah. They weren't invented. Cars weren't invented then. No, the specific cars were. Um, exactly. Well, they, so they... I should have put maybe inventions and design or something. Yeah. Anyway, my point Your my point, point stands. Was, so number one, Ethernet. That was first documented to be invented on 22nd of May. It's pretty cool, even 1973. though... 1973. I was going to say, even though no one uses it anymore, but that's not true. Um, most of the world runs on Ethernet. Yeah. So Xerox Alto. Um, that was in, that was 1st of March. Which is what? Uh, it was, it's a computer... It's ba- basically how the internet works now. A, a lot of that is to do with Xerox the Alto. year 1973. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, I've just had a look at a picture of it. Yeah, it's pretty impressive looking. It was in it was in portrait, first of all. I mean, it looks like every old computer, first of all. So I think the Xerox were the first people when they made desktop computers or personal yes. computers to use a mouse. The one in the picture I'm looking at has got three buttons, which is exciting. Because it took a long time to get back to three buttons. Uh, and yeah, portrait monitors, which is kind of funky. Um, but I guess it makes sense when everything's text, doesn't there it? There was something else that, yeah, exactly... Yeah, it, that was the main thing that I noticed was the portrait monitors. Um, first machines were introduced on the 1st of March 1973. Yeah. Cool. A decade before mass market GUI machines became available. Hell yeah. Um, so that was a big one. And we had a lot of technical things in 1973. Like, mm. not technical, you know what I mean. Uh, Technological advancements. Um, yeah, but specifically like computers and whatever. Canon EF camera. Um, I couldn't get much information on this, so that is that. <laughs> it is the Canon EF camera. Canon EF. And there were some people saying it was 1973. Some people said 1974. It's sort of between that time period. Canon so EF camera. Nothing crazy, just a camera. Probably quite a good camera uh, for the time. It was a 35mm camera. Yep. So that's one, but I couldn't find very much on it because of how many cameras they made. In yeah. a very short amount, well, lots of time. This one was quite interesting. Handheld mobile phone was inter- yeah. in, invented in 1973. And so was the first call on a mobile phone. That took place then, I believe. Well, um, it makes sense if there was... Exactly. But they could have they could have trialled it before. Do you see what I'm saying? So it was designed by Martin Cooper and it was a Motorola. Good job. There you go. Mike. There's a couple of things from that one. And I'm still using a Motorola phone to this there day. Go. And I think yours is the same one. <laughs> it <laughs> might it might as well be at this point, I think. Um the Kawas- Kawasaki jet ski mm-hmm. was also made in nineteen seventy three. I got a bit confused because initially I thought it was just jet skis that were but it was specifically the Kawasaki jet ski. I think Kawasaki it was the Kawasaki jet, jet ski. And I'm assuming it was a big, big old, like, major jet ski for the jet skiers of the world. Yeah, it was it. Because it is came it up the a lot. jet ski? Maybe. I mean, I, it was confusing to me. It and looks I like every other jet ski I've ever seen, but. Let me just look, just look, jet ski invented. Let's see if it is just this one. 1973. There you go. It's the first one. It's the first one. Wow. So that's quite interesting. And then the first one to be. 
I think the first one to be mass manufactured was the year after or something. Okay. Um, kind of cool. It looks pretty funky. <laughs> Kawasaki was able to market the concept of water skiing without a boat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's sort of the same, same sort of thing. So there you go. So there you go. Fun fact if, about. I mean, I've seen that in films from the seventies. Yeah, it's it's a or big films old... about the seventies. It's it, it looks very seventies. The yeah. typefaces on it is amazing. Out of the several lists and random things I looked up, yeah, it came up every time. So it's bright yellow, which is amazing. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, there's a lot to like about the, the Kawasaki, the Kawasaki jet, ski. jet ski. Would you like the next one? Go on. The Austin Allegro car. Yep. <laughs> I put in brackets. <laughs> the Austin Allegro. I knew what that was, and I still put in brackets car. In brackets car. <laughs> I should have put Kawasaki jet ski brackets jet ski, shouldn't I? That would have been helpful. I mean, the Austin Allegro is like it's a pretty classic car, right? Like if you're into your English cars, yeah, uh, quite a few cars came up. Yeah, that year, which isn't surprising because people make cars all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Austin Allegro was they brought it out in 1973. Yeah, big, uh, big old boy. The same vehicle was built in Italy by Innocenti. Between 1974 and 75, uh, and apparently the Austin Negro failed to meet sales predictions, had a terrible reputation, and uh, I think everyone generally everyone hated it. Everyone I think. hated it. Didn't uh, they? I think I've, I've heard about this. It definitely. It, uh, I I've looked it up very quickly, and it appears to be showing up on a lot of lists of worst the worst cars, cars ever. Yeah. yeah. Okay, another car. Don't talk about this one because you picked it. Yeah. The Reliant Robin. Hooray! 1973. Three wheels good. Yeah, three wheels good. Um, We will talk about more about the Reliant Robin. Good, thank you. Uh, Number eight, again, please don't talk about this. (laughs) I'll try not to. Hula hoops, the crisps. (laughs) Um, They came out in 1973. (laughs) So they are 50 years old. Yeah. Um, Mint chalk chip ice cream. Was apparently invented by Marilyn Ricketts, everyone's favourite disease. <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> that will be turning 50 this year as well. Ricketts. I, I did this list after I bought mint chocolate magnums as well, so I think on my You head. must have had it on the brain. Yeah. And number 10 is Holly Ethelin Terraflatate Drink Bottles. <laughs> I cannot pronounce that. Polyethylin terephthalate. Is it terephthalate? It's got a PH and a TH. Terephthalate. Um, my mouth doesn't make that Hang noise. On. I'm going to see if I can get the computer to make it's that. It's plastic noise. bottles used for drinks. They were invented in 1973. So, evil PET. <laughs> yes. Polyethylene. Polyethylene. Is it ethylene? Polyethylene or polyethylene. I would have said ethylene. I think I said I, I don't know ethylene is prob- ethylene is right isn't it polyethylene how to pronounce it again taste the second bit terephthalate terephthalate yeah. you ready yeah polyethylene terephthalate yeah that's hard Te- polyethylene terephthalate polyethylene oh, plastic plastic bottles plastic bottles were specifically plastic bottles. You knew it was... They should have known it was evil when they gave it that name. Nothing right? good sounds like that, right? Um. So, now I've butchered that. You picked Reliant Robin and yeah. Hula Hula... The Hula Hoop. The Hula Hoop. <laughs> Can I have some... Uh, yes, you may. I'll just pause it in my head. Go. Uh, Reliant Robin. Three-wheeled car. Yep. 
There you go, the end. Uh, <laughs> produced by a Reliant Motor Company in Tamworth, England. Yep. Um, you could drive it with a... This is something I remember, because my next-door neighbour had one when we were growing up. You could drive it with a B1 category dri- driving licence, uh, which, which is, is motorbikes. Uh, I thought it was moped. I don't think it had to be a full motorbike licence. Mo- mopeds. I thought it was like the lower category yeah. motorbike one. Anyway. So our neighbour had a motorbike, I think. Yeah. But he also had a Reliant Robin. Um, and that was the case until 2001. I think after that, if you had, if you got your driving license and it was a B1 after that, you couldn't drive a Reliant Robin. Yeah. Notoriously weren't very Reliant. <laughs> Notoriously flippy. I think. Yeah, I think that they flipped the on corners. They fell over quite a lot. Uh, that to me is not very Reliant. No, you, the, no. The main thing you want, I think, from anything is for it to not randomly flip over. But what I wonder is, Flipendo. in in Italy, they have uh, is it the Piaggio Ape? Yeah. Which is like a little, which is a three wheeler, in much the same vein as a, a Reliant Robin, although they're a bit more upright. More like a moped. Yeah. Um, I suppose, I mean, they might have a reputation for falling over in Italy as well, but yeah, I don't know. I think what's interesting about Reliant Robin, I guess they do it with mop- motorbikes too, but lots of time the... Yeah, because the wheel's at the front, obviously when you're turning. Well, yeah, it puts it off, doesn't it? Um, um, it had an affectionate plastic pig. Plastic pig. Yeah. <laughs> it was affectionately nicknamed the plastic pig because of its distinctive shape and fiberglass body shell. There you go. There we go. So that's my little facts about Ryan. I think they're fun. They're kind of cute. I would never get I like one. Them. No, I, no. I think I've got more nostalgia for them. They obviously weren't our time. <laughs> yeah. But I remember our neighbour having one. So I remember seeing them when I went when I used to go and see my grandparents in the northeast. Yeah, I remember him not having it as well because he didn't have it the whole time we were there. I don't think, but and then you picked hula hoops. The crisps. Yes, the crisps, not the you exercise know, machine for the kids. Machine, yeah, not the exercise round. <laughs> they were invented in the UK by KP Snacks, the ones who do the nuts. We do like KP Snacks. My fun fact for them is that well, it's KP particularly. No, KP spon- I think basically on their own sponsor um, uh, the hundreds. Which is a bike. short format cricket, oh, cricket. tournament. I thought you were um, going to say bike thing. Which is a couple of years old now. But I don't um, think I've got any sport things in here. I did look up some sports stuff. I couldn't find anything that was fifty. I could th- find things that happened in nineteen seventy-three. Yeah, yeah. I don't I think there are that many things that were fifty years old. I can't think of that many sports. Well, I was thinking maybe there was something like that was inv- invented. Yeah, that's what, or like a change in a rule or something that would be fifty years old. Couldn't yeah. find anything. Um, yeah, hula hoops. So yeah, KP snacks made from. Can you guess? Uh, potatoes, potatoes and corn. Uh, potatoes and corn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, sold in the UK. Yeah. Anywhere Republic else? Republic of Ireland, New Zealand, and South Africa. Yeah. They're also sold in Belgium, but called croquis or croquis. Ah. Um, they are, I think they're sold in France as well. They're probably sold in other places, but these were the ones that came up. And the croquis thing made me laugh. And I've also just put that the best flavour is roast chicken. Followed by roast beef, and they're suitable for vegetarians. I, uh, I would have gone roast chicken ready salted oh, myself. I don't mind ready salted ones, but it's definitely roast chicken. Roast I think beef. my my issue with roast beef flavour crisps is that that's all you can taste for the rest of the day. Yeah, but it's a good taste. It's not bad. Roast chicken, it? roast beef. I reckon I'd go cheese and onion, salt and vinegar, then ready salted. I am a I'm a, I'm a very basic boy though. So. What's your flavour choice? And I do like ready salted. I just... Roast chicken, ready salted, cheese and onion. Then roast beef, then salt and vinegar. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure there are other flavours, but yeah. I've never seen them, so 
And they're suitable for vegetarians. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that's it's why just we like salty. It. I just yeah. like the saltiness. It's basically MSG in salt. Yeah. Um, so there are your fun facts about hula hoop crisps. Yeah. That the best flavour is um, chicken. When you were a child, did you eat them by putting yes. four to five on your fingers? On the fingers, yeah. Them off? Did you ever try and double it up and try and get as many as you could on your fingers? Yeah, when my fingers were not too fat to do that. And did you ever accidentally eat your finger? Uh, I would sometimes intentionally put it over the knuckle so you can bite your finger. And bite okay, down I never onto did it. Because it, it, it was somehow pleasing to me. Oh no. Uh, okay, I might find myself a different boyfriend. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just. It's pressure. Yeah. Pressure. Would you like the next category? Yes, please. This one expanded <laughs> over time. Yeah, go on. Uh, art, music, film. Art, music, film. <laughs> and it was games, and I plopped that into a different category. Um, so quite general. Yeah. But basically creative stuff. So we've got the large four-piece reclining figure, which was completed in 1973. Yeah. That was by Henry Moore, who did some really interesting war pieces. War pieces? Yeah, he's my he's my war guy. He's my Blitz war guy. He did those, do you know those drawings. Do you remember we went to that quiz? And I was really annoyed because I didn't get it right. Oh, yeah. That's Henry Moore. I see. Oh, those ones. Yeah. Sorry. I like the ones in the tube. I mean, they're hor- They're not. They're harrowing, probably, would be the best. Uh, I'm looking at the 1973 reclining yeah. figures. Particularly. You know them, don't you? They're famous. Yes, I've seen them. Um, Just look at his um little... His... Uh, Miniatures? No, blitz. They're not, they're not sculptures. They are sketches. Oh, not reclining figures. Blitz. Oh, those ones. Yeah, those. Oh, yeah, they're... um Harrowing. <laughs> they're deeply upsetting I actually I really like them very good they're like um, I there's a picture that does the rounds and it it always gets given the caption of like the, the last drawing of a patient with yeah. uh, schizophrenia uh, and I'm sure that's not actually what happened but it's the one that does the rounds it's very reminiscent of this yeah he did lots of drawings of like people in the tunnels while the blitz was going yeah, on yeah it's people in the in the, in the underground bomb shelter thingies right mm. So that was uh, the large, it wasn't those, but it was the large four-piece reclining figure that was completed in 1973. Yeah. Um, our other piece of art, another sculpture, the statue of Winston Churchill, which is in Parliament Square. Yeah. Uh, which is a bronze. Not bad statue by any stretch. By Ivor Roberts-Jones. Ivor Roberts-Jones. Ivor Roberts-Jones. Sounds like he's got a Roberts-Jones, doesn't it? Ivor Roberts-Jones. Ivor Roberts-Jones. Who's it's... got a Roberts-Jones? Ivor Roberts Jones. Well, it's like who's got a Jones? Ivor Roberts. It's by Ivor <laughs> Roberts that. Jones. Yeah, that works. Too. It's like a house elf, but it's it's a man who makes bronzes for you. Yeah. Ivor Roberts. Ivor Roberts. Ivor Roberts. Ivor Roberts Jones does a fantastic bronze. Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, famous album by Elton John. Yep. Good song. Released in 1970. Don't know what else is on that album. Uh, I had a different. I had a song on there, and I can't remember what it's called. Everybody loves Annie. All the women love Annie. Something like that. I can't remember what it is now. Everyone's going to be everyone, but. I'm sure they do. nobody. All the women love... If I write this in, I reckon it'll come up as the right thing. There's going to be lots of typing. Nope. (laughs) It didn't. (laughs) So, right, let's have a look. What did I say the name of the Uh, Everybody Loves Annie. Is that what you've read? read no, that's what. No, no. What's the name of the album that I forgot? Oh, Goodbye Yellow. Thank Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. The problem with Alton John is he's got so many blinking albums. He's basically done one a year for the last fifty years. 
Oh, here we go. Right. Uh, two albums. All in... the girls love Alice. Alice. <laughs> Everybody loves Alice. He also Daphne. released an album called Don't Shoot Me, I'm the Only Piano Player. <laughs> Sorry. Everybody loves Annie. <laughs> all the girls love Alice. All the girls love Alice. Uh, I mean, basically, all the songs that everyone sings in That's the pub how much I care about Elton John. Are from this album. Um, yeah. Candle in the Wind, yeah. Benny and the Jets. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would I say like Goodbye Yellow Brick Road is fine, but um, he's also got uh, Saturday Night's Alright. That's pretty good. Yeah. I, Saturday, I, Saturday. That one's fine, but I like... Um, Jamaica Jerkoff. He's got an album called Lady Samantha. Like, that's interesting. I didn't know that because I don't care about Elton John. Maybe I'll care more about Elton John now. I, my favourite thing is I'm just... assuming he named it after is me. How, just how weird he looks on all of his album covers. I think I like more of his music than I think I realise. I think. Mm. I think. I think. Should I say I think again? Go on. Yeah. I think. Go on. Um, but I, he just, yeah, it's never really, never really done what it seems to do for other people to me. Next one. Yeah, please. Hey now, hey, album by Aretha Franklin. Not the song that I think it is. Hey now, hey, hey now, now, by Aretha Franklin. Yeah, famously that song is by Aretha Franklin. Yeah, it's just a cover. Um, the dark side of the moon. Yeah. By Pink Floyd. Do not say anything about them because <laughs> that's the one of the ones you picked. I'm saying nothing. Um, then we've got films. The Exorcist. Yep. Which is a film, famously a film directed by William Fred Friedkin. Yep. Um, that was that's coming up. I can't remember what day it is, but that will be fifty this year. I think that reached number one. I think that was like the best film that came out that year or something. Oh, yep. or was it the second? No, this. I think the Sting got the highest gross or something. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, American Graffiti, yeah, also c- coming to its fiftieth year. Uh, film directed by George Lucas, yeah. Um, everybody's favorite, Soylent Green. It is people. Film directed by Richard Fleischer. 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 Um, <laughs> Fleischer. 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 Uh, Robin Hood, the Disney version, directed by Wolfgang Reitherman. Reitherman. It's yeah, I won't say anything about Don't it. Don't say anything about it, because that's the other one you've picked. And The Sting, film directed by George Roy Hill. Oscar-winning film, The Sting. I put starring Robert Redford. We watched. We literally watched this film, like, a couple of... Like, maybe yeah. last week? Mm-hmm. Um, completely randomly. Yeah. That was that was made 50 years ago. Bit of a slow burner, but actually... It got really good, though. Pretty good, yeah. yeah. It started off, and I was like, what is this about? Why is this so The problem with famous? it was that it was so it was such a slow burner, we both fell asleep for bits of the intro, sort of yeah. 40 minutes. Yeah, so I'd probably have to watch it again. Yeah. But I enjoyed it once it got going. It also was a bit... It was a bit... The tone of it, it was obviously trying to be kind of comedic, which it did mm. get quite funny in the end, but initially it felt quite, like, hammy. Yes, it was very hammy to um, begin with. Anyway, I enjoyed it in the end, but I started off and I was like, oh dear, and then I fell asleep for about 10 minutes. Yeah, and that 10 minutes was enough. It was. Um, okay, so you picked the album, The Dark Side of the Moon. I did. To talk about. Just because I like the album. It was released on the 1st of March, 1973. Good, yeah. Uh, March full. And we've already said, album by Pink Floyd. Album by Pink Floyd. I think it's probably the album that most... It, between, I, between that and The Wall... It's got... Yeah, I think The Wall's... I would say the wall is their most. I think famous one because it's got. I don't know. Hey, teacher, leave us kids alone. But then Dark Side of the Moon's got uh, money. You have to sing it though. Money, it's a drag. Yeah, 
not as good as it's not as good as leave us kids alone I used to listen to that when I went to school but it's got such a good like intro all in all it's just another brick in the wall and also that album went with a film didn't it so it's got two things going for it oh I mean yeah but yeah it is a good album anyway (laughs) it's their eighth studio album The Dark Side of the Moon it's got a very distinctive cover as it well. does i think the cover is probably their most well-known one because yeah, it's on definitely. t-shirts on teenagers yeah. the world over it's one of those ones that you get in like hmv isn't it yeah it's the light refracting triangle mm, that's what i'm yeah. gonna call it i'm sure it's not their name for it. uh primarily also, developed the... during live performances so it was a collective mm. sort of thing um the album explores themes of conflict greed time death and mental illness it's yeah. among the most critically acclaimed albums in history and has been certified certified platinum how many times? Oh, I'm going to say tw- three times. Fourteen times. Fourteen? Yeah. That's unreasonable. Yeah. That's a lot of sales. Yeah. What were you going to say about the Pink Floyd album? Um, I was just going to say that it was, it was one of the few albums that my parents had uh, on, like, on vinyl. Mm. So it was on fair amounts in my house. Yeah. There were some other slightly strange ones that were on there as well. That's all my things about... I didn't go too far into it, obviously. But yeah. like you said, it's got money on it. Money. <laughs> it's got a great big gig in the sky. Yeah. The one with the vocalist who only goes, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Uh, that was a, you, wasn't it? Uh, oh, I wish. Uh, it was a much more talented ha, ha than me. Um, yeah. Well, I feel like you're only half-hearting that for the podcast, John. Well, you know, you don't want to show off, do you? No. Have you got any more facts before I move on to Robin Hood? No, they're just, it's just a good album. Yeah. Go Fact is, it. it's a good album. Robin Hood! Robin Hood! The other thing you picked. The other thing I picked. Um, Again, it was the it wasn't the first Disney film I watched. It was the one you watched the most. It was the one I watched the most. I had it on VHS. I had that and I had... Uh, Jungle Book. Song of the South. Oh, I like Song I know, I know. But I like Mr. Song of the Bluebird South. on my shoulder. Because of that, yeah. Yeah. They have, for whatever reason, they haven't re-released that one. Strange, that one. Um, but I remember that one fondly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I liked, I liked it. it. It's the only reason I now to do that thing where you get where in your, in the swimming pool you can if you you get you like clasp your hands together and, oh, you, and you, you can squirt water out the gap between your yeah, thumbs. Yeah, that's from Robin Hood. Isn't that's it? that's the reason I learned that. Um, just before we get into the Robin Hood, yeah, Charlotte's Web was also released this year, uh, nineteen seventy three. So nice. that's the film, not the book. Um, but I picked Robin Hood. I tried to be a bit random with my choices. I didn't go straight for things that. That's fair enough. Um, like, I've never seen The Exorcist. Maybe we should watch it. I think I know exactly what happens. <laughs> it's one of those films, isn't it? Like, I'm fairly sure there's an exorcism in, yeah. in The Exorcist. Um, <laughs> so, and I know it's got a terrible sequel, The Exorcist. Yeah. With Pazuzu um, in it. Pazuzu. Um, anyway, Robin Hood. Based on true events, The Exorcist. And Robin Hood as well. Um, <laughs> as much... Robin yes. Hood is based as much on truth as on real events as The Exorcist is, as far as uh, I'm concerned. Yeah, I, yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, sure, there might have been an exorcism, but I don't think it was as drastic as the one in The Exorcist. I don't know. Um, Robin Hood. Yes, there's no poltergeist <laughs> the in Robin film. Hood. Based as much as re- on, in, on real life as The Poltergeist? As The no, Exorcist. As The Exorcist. Directed by Wolfgang... 
Amadeus Mozart. Yeah, Reitherman, Reitherman, released in the US on the 8th of November 1973. So it might have come out here in 1974, ah, well, but I mean, let's just go with it that. It was it was out and about in the 70s. Based on the English, did you know this? Based on the English legend slash folk tale of the same name. I think you. Mean. I would call it a legend. Historical account. Um, it's sort of folk folkloric. Yeah. Anyway, the characters were shown as anthropomorphized animals. Yeah. With Robin Hood and Maid Marian being foxes, uh, was little Little John was a bear. Was Little John the bear? Little John was the bear. Yeah. Um, Pro- poss- quite possibly the same base model as uh, Baloo. Yeah, it, it was at a time when they did because it was okay. This is my next fact. Uh, it was the first entirely post Walt animation. Was it? Animated feature from the company. Yeah. Huh, so it was the that. first one that was completely done without him involved because he yeah. died. He, he was died. He was dead. He was dying. Um, so they had start at this time in the Disney company's animated studios career. Yeah, yeah. The timeline they were reusing reference material. So yeah, the one that I remember a dance is with it, I was going to say White it's the dance and, um, and the foxes and Maid Marian and the chicken, the chicken lady. Yeah, they dance in the same way as Snow White yeah. and the Seven Dwarfs do things like that. So yeah, character the little John was like Baloo. The is it little used. John or is it? Um, no, I'm sure it's little it is little John. John, isn't it? It's not. Who's the guy who wears red? No, who? He wears red in the Errol Flynn one. Will Scarlet. Will Scarlet. He's not in. He's not I in, don't think he's not in Robin Hood, is he? I don't think. Or he is. He might be mentioned. There he was a be. snake. Who was the, the snake? Was the sheriff of Nottingham? Is that right? Uh, the lion was Prince John, and also there was a lion for Richard. The sheriff of Nottingham was like the the lion. No, the that's of... pr- that's Prince John. No. Yes. There is a Prince John was the lion because he's like crying and like he's... being all baby. No, he's a, he's like a he's like a, he's a lioness. He's yeah, a lion... but he, that's Prince John. Is that Prince John? That's Prince John. That the... yeah. No, Prince John is is the lion, and I'm pretty sure the snake is the sheriff. Or there's another character that's the sheriff. I have not seen Robin Hood in age. Maybe we should watch Robin Hood. I'd quite happily do that. No, the sheriff of Nottingham is. Is a wolf. He's a wolf. So what's the snake? He's a big then? fat wolf. I don't even know who the snake is. Who is the snake in... I'm not relying Robin snake. Disney's... Robin Hood. It's in Sneeze. Yeah, Prince John's the... Oh, Sir Hiss. He's just made up. <laughs> he's Sir not Hiss. even in it. Sir Hiss is not in the original I'm, legend. I, I remember Sir Hiss a lot more than I remember... I don't remember the wolf at all. Yeah. Robin Hood wolf what does he look like i'd just like to say that sir hiss is in two oh yeah films. he's all big yeah i do remember he's in the house before. of mouse yeah sir hiss so sir hiss is the reason that uh, prince john is evil i think isn't it he hypnotizes prince john and makes him yeah but prince john's like a little weedy lion isn't he and then king richard is obviously a lion yeah that's why i knew he was a lion john because i just remember him them kissing the rings and stuff yeah anyway i don't know what the cockerel's called because he tells the story and he's great. Alan Adale, Alan Adale. <laughs> is the musical narrator of Disney's 1973 animated Robin Hood film. Yeah. He is depicted as a lute-playing rooster. He is a lute-playing... And voiced by country singer Roger Miller. There you go. Um, he's got a nice Miller. voice, I think. Games, toys and books. Are you ready for this? This was really difficult to find yeah. anything on. Anti- Anti-Monopoly. 
the yeah. board game. Apparently very popular in 1973. I don't know anything about this game. I did not look into it that much, but I found things that were semi-popular to popular. That will be 50 years old this year. Yeah. Found anything on it? Uh, only only the Wikipedia successful. page. Um, uh, it was it was originally called Bust the Trust. Yeah, I think it was that he didn't like the way an, uh, Monopoly glorified monopolies. I think basically what's called. Yeah, begins with the board in a monopolized state, effectively the result of a completed monopoly game instead of a real estate and public utilities properties in anti-monopoly are individual businesses that have been bought under a single single ownership. Yeah. Players take the role of federal caseworkers bringing indictments against each monopolised building or business in an attempt nice. to return the state of board to a free market system. There yeah. you go. Um, so that's anti-monopoly. It sounds kind of fun. Yeah. I kind of put that in there because I know you hate monopoly. So I, thought, I don't you know. like monopoly. There's also a board game called Class Struggle. Uh, <laughs> Was that in 1973? Uh, I'll tell you. Um, the original, in Germany, uh, anti-monopoly is still very popular. Yeah. Well, maybe we can try and get our hands on Anti-Monopoly. And they we were play called... With, um, um, we play with Ben and Jenny if we can get our hands on it, can't we? So there's two two more versions that have been released in Germany. One is Provopoly, Wem gehort die Stadt, uh, which is to whom the city belongs, where uh, squatters take over parts of the town. Right, okay. And Ukopoly, or Ecopoly, uh, where the objective is to take over the town from polluters. There you go. Um, class Struggle is... Uh, just a quick one. It's a board game for two to six players designed by Professor Bertel Ullmann. Uh, the game was intended to teach players about the politics of Marxism and was loosely compared to the board game Monopoly. Uh, the game pits workers against capitalists, represented by hammers and top hats, respectively. The right. players receive their class by roll of the genetic dice. Players move around a board following dice rolls and draw a chance card, which either advantage or disadvantage them. Um, it sold approximately 230,000 copies and uh, the objectives of the game were to avoid nuclear war and win the revolution uh, apparently the game disappeared quote in 1994 yeah. there you go and uh, apparently there's been limited re-releases uh, limited interest in the game among socialists okay. since uh, 2013 conspiracy another board game yeah space race video game by Atari That'll be 50 this year. I don't think... The, th- the problem with these is I don't think they're around anymore. So it's a bit loose, this one. But I was really struggling. It was an arcade game. I think I played Space Ray. Oh, no. No, I didn't. Uh, it's just a racing game in space. Yeah. It was the first racing game to be on in an arcade, apparently. Yeah. Gotcha, another video game by Atari that was popular that year. Oh, my goodness. The, the, co- <laughs> the cabinet design for some of these... Games is amazing. Yeah, they had some pretty good ones. That what Gotcha does look a little bit like a man assaulting a woman. Uh, I don't have anything. I just I literally wrote it down. By they the look time. like they're having a good. They both look like they're having a good time. Um, but oh yeah, yeah. I don't think it's meant to look like no assaulting. no. It's uh, a bit like the Shit's Creek. They're, uh, they're sort of. It, it's <laughs> okay. like it, they're, like they're dancing. I think he has his hands on her hips, uh, yeah. and she appears to be running away. But I think she's dancing in a nice way. Evil Knievel stunt cycles. Toy by Ideal Toys. Do not, I repeat, do not talk about this one. Argos catalogue and Argos itself. I know technically not a game, but it is a book and I put games, toys and books. So it's in this list. Yeah. The Princess Bride, book by William Goldman. The book, not the film. Not the film. That was in the 80s. We know it's not the film. But that was written, released uh, in 1973. So we'll be 50 years old this year. Gravity's Rainbow, book by Thomas Pynchon. Yes. I put this one in because it's mentioned in... Uh, is it mentioned in The Glass Onion or is it just mentioned in the first one, Knives Out? But it's mentioned in that 
and it's commonly I think known as a book that people talk about that people haven't really read yeah it's it's um, like a I'm a I'm a philosophical douchebag book right? basically I've got a copy that I've never read so there you go <laughs> make um, of that what you will uh, there was an old woman who swallowed a fly also came out in 1973 wild I assumed it would be older than that yeah no it's not book by Pam Adams and finally The House with a Clock in Its Walls book by Edward Gorey and John Belez which was made into a film in I think 2019 2018 something like that yeah uh, you picked Evil Knievel Stunt Cycle I'm I did. sad you didn't pick uh, Old Lady Who Swallowed a Fly but to be honest I, I think I would have just read the book to you I, having, <laughs> having briefly browsed Gotcha I'm sad I didn't mention this as well because it's uh, some well, fantastic there you go. See, you just went for your first you just went for ones you already knew I thought you were going to go for ones you didn't know about I'm going for the things that and I, you went that for I things feel, you the most, knew, feel the most strongly about but yeah I mean it's and just I, showing my I was my... shocked you went for the Argos catalogue but you <laughs> Evil Can Evil Stunt Cycles Toys by Ideal. Toys. Toy by Ideal Toys. Ideal Toys. Um, uh, it was a toy based on the famous US stunt performer, can you guess who it was, Evil Knievel? Yeah. Um, who attempted more than 75 ramp-to-ramp motorcycle jumps during his career. Um, yeah. When released, it was the must-have toy of the season. The toy came with a bike, figure and helmet, and I questioned the ramp. I think it came with a ramp, but I don't know. Um, and a crank... Uh, it did indeed come with a ramp. It came with a ramp. Yeah. Um, so you would, what you'd do is you'd wind the crank, you'd attach it to this crank thing, wind it up, release it, and hope that it would do the stunt it was meant to do, I guess. Yeah, basically. Um, it would shoot off to create various... And I think they had other... They had like a little like a little truck, what they call it, like a van that he would yeah, put it in. Yeah, you could jump him over a... But you could put... There was like extra things yeah, that yeah, came yeah. out. There were lots of But this came out... This specific thing came out in 1973. It was re-released... Yeah. ...in 2005. So it actually has had a, a, a re-release. I don't know if that was to do with his death. Because he died when he was 69, I think. Did he? I saw it somewhere earlier. So there you go. He'd, he'd retired from... I, for some reason, thought he died when he was performing. But I don't think he did. I think he was just ill. Um, He's from Butte, Montana. Yeah. So, yeah. No Finger Lakes in Montana. No, sadly not. So that's Evil Knievel's stunt cycle. That When the that came that up, I... I was like, oh, brilliant. I hope John picks this because that's actually something that I think was quite a popular thing. Yeah, the thing, that I, the thing that I remember about it is because I, for some weird reason, I was always vaguely aware of it. Yeah. Um, well, it's the sort of toy everyone would want, right? You get yeah. to shoot a toy up into the air and hope yeah, that yeah. it makes stunts. But it, it was one of those ones where it was like, occasionally bits of the toy would show up at like... Um, yeah, like boot sales, boot sales and stuff, and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think at various points I'd seen this. Like, hey, if you started collecting them, you would have got well a, lo- a lot of money. Uh, are they selling for a lot? Well, boxed versions are going for well, not loads, close to like two hundred quid. The I mean, one that's pretty good. That's pretty good going. Two hundred quid for a for a box fresh one. The actual just evil Knievel on a bike. Uh, oh, zero bids on that, I suppose. But I mean, there's people watching one that's going for like ninety quid. Right. Um, It's a really upsetting... My Argos Catalan... Sorry, you carry on. I'm just on eBay. There's a really upsetting... Someone is (laughs) selling the vintage original Ideal Toys Evil Knievel naked figure. Oh. So someone's just taken his clothes off. uh, And it's it's one of the most horrifying things I've seen in my life. What does it look like? Can you turn it around? It's just so weird. Or like flap it down. That sounds horrible. (laughs) Oh no. Okay. It's, It's kind of fantastic. Um, yeah. Vintage Evil Knievel in good used condition with hardly no paint loss. <laughs> hardly no paint loss. Hardly no paint loss, which means there's quite there's a lot, a lot of, of paint, paint loss. loss. 
Argos catalogue, John. You made it hard for me because there wasn't very much on this. At no, all. and I don't know why you picked the Argos catalogue. Because really. it's it's a very but it's, it's very nostalgic. It's, it's just very nostalgic. I I remember. I mean, until I I didn't have any Argos catalogues when I was a uni, but I remember going into. Did you never get them when you were a kid? I got them when I was a kid. Yeah, we used to get it every year. Yeah, yeah, we got it every year when I was a kid. And it was like a feel... magical time of year in the Argos. Yeah, yeah. just before Christmas. Because you start going through and you're like, I want all of these things, and yeah. of course, well, I didn't ever get the things that I wanted. We used to page turn it. But yeah, but it'd be helpful for like Christmas presents. Yeah, you dog ear, don't you? Yeah, you dog ear it. You dog ear it. If you felt very strongly about it, it, you highlight it, draw around it in in And then I'd put it on my Christmas list. Yeah. That's what I used to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It was a magical Um, time. Yeah, and I remember at uni buying stuff from it. You know the, the black bag I've got upstairs? Yeah. Argos. That was from Argos. Bought out of an Argos catalogue. Those really loud watches it's that funny I used to like. how things like now, Argos to me is like the most depressing thing. It's usually in a Sainsbury's anyway. So, But okay, there was a midpoint before it became in a Sainsbury's. Yeah, yeah. Where it was the most depressing well, thing. Now it's just non-existent. They used to be really big. But like, but I remember it being really exciting, going to Argos. I guess it's before people could buy stuff online. Before you could buy online and before they had the computers inside yeah. the shop where you had to go to the man and you had to, you got your little thing. Yeah, you had, you we went had to the catalogue. the little thing in the catalogue. To, to check it was in stock they had the little machine that yeah. would just oh, yeah, tell you, you it was it, in stock I forgot about that and then you wrote in the little bit of paper yeah. and you ticked one and then you'd go over to the man and then you'd sit and wait for the thing to you've come seen out. the Bill Bailey thing about Argos haven't yeah. you yeah. The, cat- the laminated catalogue of dreams. Yeah, it literally was. Yeah, it was and fantastic. And the fact you got to take it home was amazing. Yeah. I think I bought quite a lot. Like, I bought some of the first, like, Pokemon cards and stuff that I had from there. Yeah. So, like, I, 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 I strongly associate Argos with, like... Christmas. Christmas and, like, <laughs> getting what I wanted as a yeah. child. Yeah. And it's really <laughs> hard to shake that, even though now it's a bit... Now I can't. It's kind of depressing. Well, it's not... You don't do any of those things. There's none of those steps anymore. Do you remember in the bigger ones, they used to have, like, a jeweller's? Yeah. Yeah. The one in Abingdon had a jeweller's. First released in 1973. It included everything you could buy in the shop. Printed catalogue was discontinued in July 2020. So, technically... Technically, this is a false advertisement podcast because this is not made 50 years. No, you um, can't. But Argos itself was also... It came out when Argos opened. Yeah, so, so Argos itself is there was a little caveat 50. that Argos is 50. Yeah. Um, but it's boring to talk about Argos. It's not boring to talk about the catalogue. No, the catalogue represents a lot for a lot of... Uh, well, a lot. I mean, not. I would say, say millennial-aged people, but I guess we saw the back end of it, didn't we? Like... I think we saw it at its heyday, probably, because yeah. I reckon... I mean, it's probably... Because they had the fun little number thing, that was the best part. Yeah. Was, like, just looking through it. Because, obviously, yeah. you'd never go in for... Like, your parents would go in for a reason, right? Yeah. yeah. And you'd get to look while they were waiting for stuff and, like, type in whether there was any in stock of yeah. various things. And that was fun. I loved doing that. And occasionally, obviously, you'd get something. Yeah. Either for your birthday or for Christmas, or you'd get something because your parents yeah. are lovely. Um <laughs> Uh, so that's oh, our toys and games thing. What else have we got? This is the last ten. I don't know how long this podcast is so so long. So far, so long, so far. So far. What? How long is it so far? Uh, we're on one hour and seven minutes. It is the fiftieth episode. It is. Yeah. So this is going to be. Do you want to get the last bit of prosecco and we'll finish off with a bang with the other category? I would <laughs> love to finish off with a bang in the other category. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. To 50. To 50. <laughs> Our last 10, the other category, because I really had lost the will to live at this point. Um, yeah. I originally had a food and drinks category. 
Yeah. And I was like, maybe things came out, maybe some dishes came out. I'm sure they did, but they don't exist anymore. No, no. Hula hoops and mint ice cream. Bailey's. Bailey's was, I think, in product, like it was in invented technically by the person. Yeah. In 1973, but it didn't come out to the public until 1974, so I didn't know what to do about that. But that's still only three things that are food-based that I'd heard of. So, Sydney Opera House opened 20th of October, 1973. The Sydney Opera House will be 50 years old this year. I think that's pretty cool. You didn't pick that one to talk about more. No. (laughs) So, (laughs) once again, I didn't get to talk about that. Sorry. What do I like? Architecture. What did you pick? Not minnows. <laughs> I like minnows. I like minnows too. Right, number two. We're not talking about this until later. Yeah. Minnows were sent into space 50 years ago in yeah. July. Um, McCall's Retail Group, the British convenience shop, was founded. Monsoon mm-hmm. and Accessorised British Clothes Shop was founded. Lloyd's Pharmacy was also founded in Britain. <laughs> Do you know where I got this from? One website, and it was what shops was were it? founded in 1973. No, surely not. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the World Trade Center, if it had made it to 2023, the World Trade Center would have been 50 this year. Um, obviously, it did not make it for horrendous circumstances. But I thought I'd put it on there because it was quite a big event. It being open, end on a low, as they say. <laughs> uh, do you want something that's, I would say, potentially even more depressing in the long run? Roe v. Wade. <laughs> yeah, that would have been 50. US Supreme Court overturned state ban on abortion. That would have been 50 years old this year. Yeah. So there you go. Two depressing things that the US had to experience. Yeah, bloody hell. Um, Thanks, America, for being a huge One, I think, probably downer. more... One more sort of shocking in its... The suddenness that something has occurred. Yeah. And the Terrorism Act, obviously, and the people that died. And one that I think will see long-term effects that are negative. Yeah. Um, not that there weren't long-term effects for the World Trade Center, but still, I think Roe v. Wade long term is going to be absolutely destructive and ruin uh, yeah. a lot of people's lives yeah so there you go i wonder what my views on abortion are can we tell from what i think about roe v wade being overturned let's get a bit nicer shall we please oh what did john pick as number his number 10 what did i pick thing? as my number 10 i Cleaved actually can't remember it hill section of the m5 oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was really scraping that back. Again, I went for the nostalgia more than anything else. There were um, three sections of the M5 that were, were finished in 1973. I can't remember what the other two were, but Cle- <laughs> Clevedon and Mendip Hills were the, was the section that I picked because it's nearby us. Yeah. Near us, I guess. Uh, that was completed on January 1973. So it'll be fifth. That section, that section plus two others. It's will junctions be 20 to 22 there for anyone who cares. They, that will be 50 <laughs> this year. Yeah. Uh, number nine. The oh. inter- I thought you might go for this one. The International Agreement of the Cons- Conservation of Polar Bears. Uh, signed in Oslo, Norway. Now, do you know, that's a lot more interesting, it, actually. There's way more facts, so maybe we'll do a little post for that, but I'll yeah. have to look it up because I haven't done anything. Or you can, because you did nothing today. Yeah. You yeah, did, yeah. It's all right, you went to work and made money while I was doing this. <laughs> well, I didn't, make money, I didn't make money for the people who I work for. I'm going to say, I, I put money. more um, effort into this today than I did in, than you did I, in your day of school. I'd just work. like to say... But the section of the M5 that I want to talk about is perhaps one of the best bits of motorway. Right. Was it built in 1973? Yes. That's fine. Then. It was that one. 
Let's wait until I get to the end of the list, which is okay. the other thing I thought you might pick, which I would have picked. I think I would have picked the other one, the polar bear one, but Endangered Species Act was signed in 1973 by the president... Richard Nixon! Um, you didn't pick that. And no. You didn't pick... You didn't pick Sydney Opera House. I don't pick anything that anyone wanted me to pick, basically. Uh, I, th- I thought the minnows in space was interesting. So minnows in space, 50 years ago on, in July. The first fish in space in 1973. Yeah. So that's what's important about it. Uh, it was a Skylab 3 mission. Uh, the oh, National yes, Aeronautics course. and Space Administration's second manned mission to Skylab. I don't understand. Skylab. The first United States space station. After, so basically they took these fish into space. They were, I think I think the whole thing was just, will fish be okay in space? I think so, yeah. Um, after three days, it was noticed that the fish were swinging, swimming in odd circular patterns. Yeah. Which continued until about... I think they said day 21. Mm-hmm. So they had to acclimatise like we do. So whilst the men were feeling seasick, sea space sick, space so sick. were the fish. <laughs> um, Which is even worse because the fish didn't know what was happening. Exactly. They hadn't, they hadn't consented to this. No. So no, no maybe no. they did. It doesn't say they didn't, but I'm going to assume they didn't. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that you can get uh, informed consent from a fish. NASA... Especially not for space flight. I think NASA are more intelligent than you as a collective so maybe they did um maybe they did i doubt it i think being able to talk to fish is a lot more impressive than space flight i think so too personally i, I would love to talk to fish but you know they haven't looked into do that. you think at this point no one wants to talk to fish because we've well, we'll be ruined everything <laughs> i think most of it would just be them going what the fuck are you doing yeah i can't um, believe you've done this so everyone's putting money into going to space yeah. anyway yeah by twenty, by day twenty one, they were swimming normally again. Mm-hmm. They also brought ha- egg, like fish eggs, in so minnow eggs. Okay, yeah. they hatched after day nineteen. Showed immediate visual orientation, which apparently showed that they had adapted to weightlessness whilst in the egg. Yeah, um, I for some reason put whilst in the egg saw. <laughs> don't know why that's obviously a spell like a seesaw or i think so so basically what what they found was that just like humans fish would adapt i think it might have taken them slightly longer because they yeah, also have yeah. to deal with water pressure and god knows oh, yeah because yeah um, that's going to be different isn't it yeah so they had them in mm. a bag i was a bit confused by how they carried these fish just in a bag the fish were the fish were fine as far as i could tell it didn't say anything about them it didn't say anything about them is it climb is would it still be climatizing yeah, I guess so. They didn't say about the declimatizing situation, so when they got back... I mean, I think to say they're in a bag is probably... Uh, was it a special bag? I think it's a special bag. Yeah. No, they were taken to space in a bag. They had an actual tank Right, in... when they were in the... Oh, no, hang on. Right, so the photo I've got here is that's on ground level, and then they took two of them yeah, in, they a, only took two. in a tiny bag. Yeah. They took two of them in a bag, and they also had some eggs which hatched. Oh, there was a, a plastic aquarium in orbit, so... yeah. Which I don't, that's what confused me because I saw the aquarium thing, but then it said they took them in a bag. (laughs) But I think that, I reckon the aquarium was in the space station and they had them in a bag whilst they were getting up there. So they they were egged in the bag and they hatched in space. Well, that can't be right because initially they were swimming in loops, it said. So, um... We got two different bits of information. Well, I'm not sure. It might have been two different fish flights. It could be two different things. I was Um, skim reading at this point. Two mummichog minnows became the first fish in space in 1973 via the Skylab 3 mission. Yeah, that's um, the one we're talking about. Did they take uh, except? Was this? Ah, uh, right. Permission? So Owen Garriott suggested incorporating the two mummy minnow fingerlings and fifty fertile minnow eggs. 
Yeah. So, the, so they did take the eggs separately. The fingerlings took a while to adapt, but the... Oh, fi- so the fingerlings... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, but, that's what I've... Yeah. But, but the fish that hatched... Yeah, that's what I've just said. Yeah. Adapted to weightlessness... Immediately. ...in the egg. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's what I wrote. There were also eggs which hatched after 19 days... Yes. ...and showed immediate visual orientation, which apparently showed that they had adapted to weightlessness whilst in the egg. Keeping their backs to the light, the hatchlings swam normally. Light, as a substitute for gravity, served as their visual orientation. Yeah, so that's really interesting. That was a good choice. Uh... <laughs> The newly hatched minnows resorted only resorted to abnormal swimming in tight circles only when the bag aquarium was shaken. Yeah, which great. Don't do that. Yeah, that's like one of you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to tap on the glass. Um, so I think I think the reason it was done was purely to see if fish would adapt. I don't think there was anything. No, to I mean, it. it's just to see what people. It might have been to see if they could speak in space. We don't know. You know, maybe their pitch would change. Like we could hear yeah. more of their vocal cords. <laughs> maybe. maybe. <laughs> anyway. Your second choice. Yeah. Slightly less interesting, but you seem to have some more interest, interesting facts. I believe. It might only be interesting for me, but... That's fine. That's what we're here for. You. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure that's Mendip true. Hills section of the M5, uh, and then I couldn't find anything on that specific section. Right. You might have to... Let me finish my facts first, okay, sorry. and then you can be specific. Sorry, Sam. Sorry. The M5. This is, this is a fact about mm. the M5 yeah, in on. total. Links, to, links the Midlands... To the southwest of England. Yeah. Congestion is common <laughs> during summer holidays and Friday afternoons. <laughs> yeah, sadly this is true. Uh, other holidays as well, but mainly the summer holidays. It's 162.9 miles in length. That's a lot of road. And it was completed in 1977. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I think most of the congestion happens on the M5 as you get towards the end of end it. End of it. Because it, it stops before you get to Cornwall, and it's yeah. the only motorway that goes towards Cornwall. Hey, Bean. Bean's here. It's a motorway we use a lot now that Mum is in Devon. Yeah, we use a lot to go to Devon. That's Uh, a fun fact. I drive on it five out of seven days in the week. Yeah. uh, Between and sometimes seven out of seven if we do go to Mum. Yeah, and sometimes seven out of seven. (laughs) No, so the section of the M5, the Cleveland and Mendip Hill section, is junctions twenty to twenty-two, which, uh, for a hot John Hewish fact, um, (laughs) is. uh... (laughs) Do you like my sound effect? I do. Yeah. It's the hot John. Hewish facts in the hot John Hewish facts. It's the section that I would have taken to go from Nailsey, which is on the B3133, which joins at Junction 20 to Western Supermare and Bristol South and Bristol Airport. And I used to go to Bristol Airport quite a lot because it was back in the day when you could go through security into the main bit if you weren't flying. Yeah. Uh, And my mum would take me to go and watch the planes. I think you need to set... Oh, that's really cute, firstly. But you need to... May, I don't know if we mentioned that you used to live in Nailsey before. I used to live in Nailsey, which that is helps with that uh, fact. which is close to uh, Western Supermare. Otherwise, you're travelling from Safford all the way to Nailsey. Yes, no, I didn't travel from Essex to Bristol Airport. Um, <laughs> that would have been a bit strange. No, um, I, I spent my formative years, having been birthed in Oxford, um, I moved then to the southwest. I see. Uh, fun fact: Bean is eating. Bean also likes eating my glasses. John's glasses. I think the fifty bit. times. I think probably at least that. But no, the the bit of the M. If you've ever driven on the M5, mm. and if anyone listening to this is in the UK, don't chew that bean, please. If anyone listening to this is living in the UK, you probably will have done if you've ever gone on holiday to Dorset, Devon, or Cornwall. Um, and if you haven't, I'm sorry. You should definitely do it because it's a lovely. It is part a good of the world. bit. Good bit of the world. But there's a bit. You get past Bristol. It's at least a good bit of the UK. It's at least you a good know? bit of the UK. Um, <laughs> it's a bit of the motorway where. The southbound and northbound, or eastbound and westbound, I suppose, um, lanes split completely, and you're on a sort of two-levelled bridge. Yeah. And if you're going south... I know it well. (laughs) 
you you go over the top you can see the I was gonna say you can see the congestion on the other side um <laughs> yeah, which is which is really really like I get a great deal of joy from that um John's a horrible person schadenfreude um yeah. I like it a lot but yeah it's a very it's one of those things where I think I remember it from being young because I remember it from coming home from the northeast because my grandparents were in the northeast and my other grandparents were in the southeast. Sam nod, Sam's nodding at that one with a smile on her face. Um, and going home obviously always involved going down the uh, the M5 and that was the bit that was like you're almost home yeah. or you're you're going on holiday, leaving home. Yeah. That's it really. It's a really cool. I think it's a cool bit of road. Obviously, the fact that it's frequently congested is not great because uh, it almost immediately after that section i think it then goes to five lanes yeah for a I think bit. it does it yeah, goes from it goes from three to five lanes uh, and then back down to three lanes again uh, yeah. so it always gets snarled up anchors going to bristol it's not great um, don't not... do it we drove down on it was like in the middle of summer this year last, last year last year not the 50 year the 49th year of existing it was Mm. i think the hottest day in the year and it was for and we sat in traffic on that stretch of road for oh a long time this has been the 50th episode this has been the 50th episode Um, i'm sure it's as enthralling as usual um we didn't get to talk about the conservation of polar bears uh but do you want to tell us about it who the fuck cares got any (laughs) exciting things about it uh, it, I don't, it... No, I don't have John. I don't have anything. I know you didn't look it up. You didn't, you didn't ask for it. Let's look it up now. I spent two hours just writing the list. The agreement on the conservation of polar bears is a multilateral tra- treaty. So, sorry, I can't oh, read. That's my favourite kind of treaty. A multilateral treaty signed in Oslo on November the 15th, 1973. So, guys, end of this year, yep. 50 years ago. It's relevant. By the five nations with the largest polar bear populations. Canada, Denmark, Greenland and brackets there because i think it's greenland that has the polar bears but denmark has ownership over greenland yep, is that right yeah yep, yep. norway That's my understanding brackets svalbard the united states and the soviet union this treaty was brought about due to the increased hunting of polar bears during the 1960s and 70s Bad. yep which led to polar bears being under severe survival pressure from hunters the agreement prohibits random, unregulated sport hunting of polar bears and outlaws hunting of polar bears from aircraft with icebreakers, which have been the most detrimental to the polar bear population. I'm literally just reading this off of Wikipedia, but I think it's the best way to do it at this That's point. That's fine, yeah. Additionally, the agreement holds member states accountable for taking appropriate actions to protect the ecosystems of which the polar bears dwell, paying special attention to places where polar bears create dens, do a majority of their feeding and where they migrate. States also must manage polar bear populations in accordance with proper conservation practices based on the best available scientific data. According to the agreement, the killing of polar bears is only warranted for bona fide scientific purposes. I think no no purposes should be the answer, but let's go with that. To prevent serious disturbance of other living resources such as human populations. That's bullshit. We should, if you're living where polar bears live, the risk of death should be something you know about yep. and have to deal with by letting them kill you. That's why. <laughs> or hand to to bear poor combat. <laughs> that's what yeah, it should be. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's better than the scientific one anyway. And by local populate people using traditional methods in the realm of their traditional rights in accordance with the laws of that party, that's also bullshit. <laughs> Fuck tradition. Anyway. Yet the skins of any animal... any Sorry, yet the skins of any other items of value that are taking an as a result of the killing of a polar bear cannot be used for commercial purposes 
Also important to this agreement is that member states must prohibit the exportation, importation, that's why I said it wrong, and trafficking of polar bears within their states. These nations share their polar bear research findings and meet every three to four years. That's nice. Um, To coordinate their research on polar bears throughout the Arctic. This agreement was one of the first of its kind and continues to be successful today in the international conservation of polar bears. There you go. That's my fun facts, which is just Wikipedia. Happy 50th. Happy 50th. We're sorry. Thanks for bearing with us, assuming you've listened to it. It's just us, John. It's just us. We're the only people who listen to all 50 episodes. But, you know. Maybe Um, that'll change this year. Maybe. Things are are going better this year. Yeah, things are going better. I haven't cried once. No, I have. That's a lie. (laughs) I've cried. You've cried this year. Of course I have. I can't go like a day without crying sometimes. Yeah. Crying's alright though. Crying's fine. Selfie. It's happy cries. Happy cries. (laughs) Mostly. And sad, and sometimes my... just confused cries. Where's my zombie god? Do you know what you could have done on this episode? You could have proposed. I could have proposed. I'm not going to propose on the Never podcast. Mind. Um, next time. Next time. <laughs> next time. We're sorry. We're we're so sorry that we've. We're going to do another fifty of these. Fifty. John, are you, are you ready? Fifty more episodes. I think by a hundred we have to have a sponsor. If we haven't got a sponsor by a hundred episodes, I think I might. Carry on going. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're gonna run out of things to talk about. Yeah. Right, bye. Bye. Bye.